Thank you for listening to the Rooted Podcast, where we hope to grow deeper into God's Word. Thank you for joining us on this journey, and we pray that this ministry is a blessing to you and your family. Welcome back to Rooted, where we're dedicated to helping you grow deeper in God's Word. I gotta say, I know we haven't done many of these, but last episode was my favorite so far. It was long. It was it was long. But it was so detailed. Oh, it just, it felt like, it felt like Holy Spirit just kept bringing things up. And it was like, oh, we need to talk about this too. And we need to pull this into, and we need to bring, there was so much in there that was not. Planned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that we didn't plan to talk about at all that the Spirit just brought up and I believe needed to happen. And that, that was awesome. So, And you haven't even listened to it yet. Yeah, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't even got to listen to the whole thing yet. I can't wait. I'm actually looking forward to it now that I have the... Uh, now that I have access to the drive, <laughs> <laughs> our uh, <coughs> our producer, <laughs> sorry, got me access to the drive. So we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually be listening to it tomorrow at lunch for sure. Um, but yeah, I, last episode was really excited, exciting, and I'm I'm really excited about this episode. So for today, episode three. Of who God says He is, we have God, the Waymaker. Now, I I love Waymaker as a way to refer to God. I just think that's awesome. That's not a title that we get organically from Scripture. It's not one that is spelled out anywhere, but it is definitively an attribute of God. It is something that He shows us time and time again through the Scripture um, that He is the one that makes a way when there's no other way. Uh, therefore, he is the way maker. So this episode, our plan is to share, both of us share a couple of our favorite moments in scripture where God has made a way against all odds and things that man would have said is impossible. God did with, you know, the, the slightest effort on his part because he is that awesome and that powerful. And he makes a way even when we see no way. Wow, I feel like there's a song about that. There is. And I, you know, I was actually going to say, and it, it slipped my mind, but it, it, Waymaker is is something that has been popularized because of Christian music. Like, really, you didn't really hear 20 years ago. People weren't walking around calling God or calling Jesus Waymaker. But it is something that has been um, popularized as, as Christian music has developed and um, I think it's awesome. I think it's, it's and I think that song, um, it became very popular during COVID shutdown. Like when we were all in shutdown, that's when I remember hearing it. All the churches playing it during their worship sets on, um, on, well, Facebook because you couldn't go to church and all the things. Right. Um, but it just it seemed like it was playing all the time as a reminder of who he is. And I love, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting the urge to sing it right now. Believe me, you, Please do, don't. you don't, you don't want to hear me sing like, cause in worship at church, I do sing and I feel bad for the people around me, but I just think like, well, it's, it's encouraging you to sing louder because somebody's <laughs> got to drown me out. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, you want to get us started with, um, what you have for your first uh, your first story from the Bible for Waymaker? 
Yeah. Um, so I have two different stories specifically picked out, but I think we'll start with Elijah. Okay, so first Kings seventeen eight. Then the word of the Lord came came to him, Arise and go to Zarephath. How do you say that? That was close enough. Okay. (laughs) Which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. And so I wanted to go back and start at the beginning because he does say, I commanded a widow to feed you. So he rose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I am now gathering a couple sticks that I may go prepare it for myself and my son, and that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as I've said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. Afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord of God of the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And so she went and she did as Elijah said. And she said um, she and her household ate for many days and the jar of oil and flour did not become empty. And that's awesome. Like if you think about it, she's literally preparing their last meal. She mm-hmm. sees this as I have just enough to make one more loaf of bread and I see no other way to provide anything else for my son. I'm going to make this one last loaf of bread. That's going to be our last meal. And that's it. Yeah, because there was a severe drought. There was a famine. There was there was no way to I mean, you you have to think about like with the severe drought how far she even had to travel to get the water that he requested too. So like, yeah, it was a lot for him to ask of the, ask that of her, especially during that time frame. But then for her her to actually do it, she must've, she must've had faith in God. Right. And like you said in the beginning, this, the scripture opens up and, and you pointed out very well, God said, I have instructed a widow. Yeah, I I have have commanded. Commanded. So somewhere along the way, we don't get that, we don't get her side of the story, but somewhere along the way in a dream or something, the Lord has spoke to her and and told her something like this is going to happen. That's, that's valid. I never thought about that, but I always thought, oh yeah, God told her, but I I never thought about like how that might have happened. Yeah. Just that she just knew, like in my head she just knew <laughs> but Some yeah there, there was some yeah. way that she that would have been communicated yeah so um i just i find it interesting because you know he um he had to make a way for elijah to actually survive during this time too and this was his way but also with that he made a way for her right he didn't just make a way for his prophet he made a way for 
his other sheep, right, which was helping the prophet, right, her and her son. Mm-hmm. You know? she, well, and interestingly, interestingly enough, later on in the story, her son actually dies, mm-hmm. and Elijah prays to God, and he's brought back to life, right. And so, um, I don't, I don't quite understand what the purpose of him passing away was for. Um, I feel like there had to be like a, a reason if, if he was going to be brought back anyway, um, there had to be a reason for that, but, um, I haven't dove too deeply into that. So I don't quite, but yeah, he, he just, but he can continue to make way in that story over and over. Right. Yeah. And that, and that's, I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about today. Like, him continuing to make a way and it'd be one thing for somebody to you know if you live in an even reasonably uh normal part of the world right now and somebody knocked on your door and asked for a loaf of bread or or really he didn't even ask for a loaf of bread it would have amounted to basically like a slice or two slices of bread he says a little cake uh, a little cake of bread, basically. Um, you know, somebody asking for such a small thing, uh, a piece of bread and, and, a, and a glass of water um, in a normal time, it's like, yeah, that's no big deal. But this was literally all that she had. And the famine was so severe, she saw no other way. But yet she obeyed and she did as the Lord commanded and she, she trusted in what the Lord said. And that's something that we're going to see a theme, I think, as we go along. Um, even though she's hearing it through Elijah, she's basically trusting the word of God and then God makes a way. All right. So what's your, uh, your first scripture? My, uh, mine's a very obvious one. I mean, mine, mine is like, it's, it's a no brainer. It's probably like the first thing that comes to most people's mind when they think about God making a way and that's Moses and parting the Red Sea. Um, (laughs) He he literally like made a path right right through the ocean. (laughs) Right. So we're going to, we're going to jump into Exodus real quick and we're going to read a few verses here. Um, Exodus, I'm, I, I think the story of, uh, Moses and the Israelites is well known enough that we already kind of know the context. So uh, I'm not going to delve too much into that, but, uh, Exodus 14, 21, we catch up with Moses and the Israelites as they are fleeing the Egyptians and they literally come to the Red Sea and they have the sea in front of them, and they have the Egyptian army behind them. And that's where we are. As right, we they were up. just trapped. Yeah, right, they, right there on the shore between a big obstacle and a big obstacle that's trying to kill them. Right, trying to moment. kill them or bring them back <laughs> to slavery. Yeah. Um, I, I I think either, either or would have probably been suitable to Pharaoh at that point. <laughs> um, but so that's where we pick up the story. Uh, Exodus 14, verses 21 and 22. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind, 
all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and their left hand. So literally, we're, we're talking about the water parting, and they're just walking across on dry ground. Um, and one interesting thing, I always, always love when I'm rereading scripture, and then I kind of like start to look at the facts about the Red Sea, because when you look at the Red Sea, it basically runs north to south. So an east wind is exactly what you would need for it to split correctly for them to pass in that direction. You would need an east wind to come. So the the accuracy so, of the so Bible. So the picture in my head is, you know, how like the little compass drawing yes. like north, south, east, west. And I was like, I literally did north and south and then like went over to east. And I was like, oh, that does split the line right in half. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So we, we, we visually get it. We get the concept. Um, and just, I, I grabbed some stats about the Red Sea because we often, you know, I know me, like, like I think of the Red Sea or I think, you know, something I've never seen with my own eyes, I'm prone to making it quite a bit smaller in my mind. And when we talk about the Red Sea, you're not talking about somebody's lake down the road you know we're it, talking it's about, not a creek yeah down it, the hauler no in it, west virginia it is, somewhere it is not like, around the <laughs> it, corner from us <laughs> it, it's not it, it is quite massive um so the red sea is 169 square miles that's huge um it's about 1400 miles long and it's about 221 miles at its widest point um, and it's also quite deep. The average depth is around 1,600 feet. Wow. It's quite deep. Um, and there are there's at least one spot that's over 9,000 feet deep. 9,000 feet deep. Um, if you think about, think about this in reverse. If you were flying in an airplane, most planes cruise like 30,000 to 40,000 feet, like if you're in a jet. Um, you know, the depth depth of the 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 depth of the deepest part of the red sea is about a third to a fourth of what you would be in altitude if you were flying in a plane so if you just kind of picture that like if you're a plane that you were flying in and you're looking down and then like you know a third of that distance that's what you're talking about when you're talking about the deepest part of the red sea it's huge it's deep now, there are portions where the deep areas are significantly shallow, more shallow. There are some places where the deep parts are only about 160 feet. But 160 feet is still a lot of water. Yeah. We're still talking a lot of water. I mean, like if you've ever been to an amusement park and you've looked up at a roller coaster that's 100, 200 feet high at its highest drop, you're looking at something in that range that when the Israelites were walking through, they would have been that far down. They would have seen water piled up on both sides of them that high or higher. Like we don't. What is know. that roller coaster at Cedar Point? It goes straight up, 
the dragster? Yeah, the top thrill dragster. What is it that was, one's three hundred feet. Okay, yeah. okay, so, so not quite that, uh, uh, but almost. Well, we don't know exactly where they passed through. Right. I mean, it would have been, uh, it, it, it could have been anywhere. Like, we don't know exactly where. But let's just assume that it's the lowest point. You're talking about half that height. <clears throat> so 300 feet up in the air, you're talking about half of that. Yeah. And being at the lowest point as they're walking through that, the water is going to be piled up. So I'm... I'm- Going back to like being at Cedar Point and standing there and looking at the top of that, like you couldn't even like looking up from the ground up. I can't even imagine trying to even half that. Right. Trying to wade through water or swim through that water. Exactly. It would be exhausting. It it would be impossible. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that's kind of what I wanted to get at. Like I, I, with these statistics it's i mean this is a massive body of water we're talking about and even if they went through the most shallow parts the deepest part of that we're still talking 160 feet of water that's a lot yeah um so you know no matter how you cut it it's this is definitely no small feat and this is a massive display of god's power and while most of us are never going to be in a place where we're facing a body of water or an obstacle like that in front of us and an army trying to kill or enslave us behind us, we can take comfort in knowing that if God can do this, <clears throat> he can handle my little problem. And I can see my problem is a really little problem now. You know, in comparison, this is a whole nation of people that God delivers in an instant. Well, not really in an instant, but he, it says the wind blows and drives back the water overnight or through the night. So there is a continual process here. It's not like Moses just lifts his hand up and it automatically happens. It says the, the Lord uses a natural mechanism, which he often does, um, he often uses things that he's already created to do things uh, because he can. Uh, but he uses the wind. He uses this east wind to divide the waters. And if you think about, like, if you've ever, you know, had a little cup of water or something like that and you've blown on it and caused the water to part, caused, you know, seen the water divide, that's exactly what you're thinking about here. Like, it's it's basically like... You know, the massive power of God is just blowing on the water and splitting it in two, in two halves, long enough for the, for the Israelites to cross. It, visually, I, I want to know what happened to the fish. I'm assuming they went with the water. Uh, yeah, I would assume so. I mean... (laughs) It says they walked across on dry ground. On dry ground. And then like the sand at the bottom of the water would be wet. Mm -hmm. So somehow supernaturally that had to get dried up in this moment. Right. And what's interesting is after (laughs) the Israelites pass, and this (laughs) this is not in my notes, but the Israelites pass on dry ground. As 
the Egyptians start to follow them, it's then muddy hmm. because it says their chariot tie. Uh, chariot wheels start to stick in the mud. So the Israelites are passing and it's like dry ground. And then after they're gone, things are slow as returning to the normal state before obviously the mountains of water come crashing back in. Right. But um, that that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. (laughs) Okay. Focus here is God is making a way and hopefully here just having a, um, a good visual of that. Um, maybe help you think of it in a way that we haven't really thought about it before. I know that was what I was, ha- what happened for me as I was studying it. So I was, I was glad to hear you commenting like you did. <laughs> yeah. So, on that note. Uh, so the next one I have is actually Psalm 34. And it's just, um, it's Psalm 3410. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. And so, um, I don't know why I was drawn to this one all of a sudden, because this was not on the, uh, I need to do this one list. Um, so as a young boy, David would have been well acquainted with lions because he was a shepherd. Yeah. Um, he even says at one point before he faces Goliath that the Lord delivered him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Yeah, so we know he killed at least one lion in First Samuel, um, and that David knew that even young lions, um, strong young lions, could go hungry, but he was confident from seeing God's hand in his life that those who fear the Lord lack nothing. And so that is the reward of those who seek God is the lack of nothing. Right. He's always going to provide exactly what we need in that moment. And thinking about the life of David too, like he hit some real low points there. I mean, he had sometimes like he was literally hanging with a group of misfits, like, in a cave. You know? That's actually where this psalm was written. Um, so I looked that up. And so he I didn't was. Know that, but that's yeah. Good. <laughs> so it was written right after he escaped from Abimelech. 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 Yeah, that word. Um, that guy. Um, by pretending to be insane. And so yeah. um, insanity at that time was either thought that you were um by the the general population they either thought if you were insane that you were either cursed by the gods completely cursed by them and you were crazy because you were cursed by them or you were especially touched by god and um touched with divine messages and so um what ended up happening is basically you're either crazy good or you're crazy crazy bad bad. yeah (laughs) um this resulted in most people not wanting to have contact with people who were deemed insane, no matter what, because they weren't really sure, like if it was um, crazy good or crazy bad. Right. Like if you're if you're blessed by you know one of our deities, I don't want to do anything negative to make them mad. Right. 
But um, I also don't want to. I'm kind chance. of afraid you're crazy bad. So yeah. let's just stay away from you. Yeah. So what happened was David um, joined other desperate men who were kind of in this similar situation in this cave. And this particular psalm was written and sung in the presence of those men in the cave, according to this history of awesome. Psalm. Um, Psalm 34 that I was able to find. So think um, about that too. Think about, so God's making a way and David is sure of it. This is basically David's testimony at this low point in his life when he's hiding in a cave with a group of other desperate outlaws. This is the song that pours out of his heart. Yeah. And God not only makes a way for David, but think about the way that touched each and every one of them, that they're singing it with him. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. There's conversion happening here. Well, it doesn't necessarily say they sung it with them, but it does say it was at least sung by David in their presence. Okay. So, Or at least it's thought that it was sung by David in their presence. By but, yeah. We also know from scripture, a lot of these men continue to follow David after this all the way to the throne. Yeah. There, there are people from this gathering that end up being like his generals and his right hand man and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's definitely um, deliverance. Yeah. So um yeah, what I'm getting from this is David knew um, that no matter what, trials, tribulations, whatever, if he diligently pursued God, that um, he would be rewarded with strength and wisdom and whatever he needed. And it's just an example of something we should be doing. And right. we should be following that example because God made a way for him and he's not going to do something for one of his sheep that he won't do for all of them. Right. That's good. <clears throat> That's all I got there. Yeah. I mean, how can you not love a God who's going to be with you in that state? And even even for the modern church, Jesus never promises us that we won't have bad times, but he does promise us that he'll be with us through those times. Right. Even in our low points. Never to leave us or forsake us. Exactly. Yes. I actually quoted that exact verse earlier this week. <laughs> <clears throat> That's good. So. Um, uh, see, so you got another one for us. Yep. Um, all right. Yeah. So my, my fourth, the fourth example here comes from the book of Daniel, which as you know, is, is probably one of my favorite books. Like there's so much about the life of Daniel that I just admire and, um, could probably do a whole episode on that. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to steer clear, um, and kind of try to stay on topic here. Uh, so real Briefly, though, Daniel, at this point, he is a servant of the king, and the king basically makes a law. He, The king's kind of tricked into making a law that uh, if anyone prays to anyone other than the king, that they'll be put to death, and specifically, they'll be thrown into the lion's den. So we're going to pick up the story 
just after Daniel has been busted for being faithful to God, essentially. He has heard the news. He's heard the decree. He understands. And I mean, just think about this in our day and age. Um, if the president or some world ruler uh, would decree that you're not allowed to pray to anyone other than that person. Um, and if you do, you'd be killed. That's, that's where David was. He lived under that type of tyrannical regime, basically. It, it was... Um, Yet he maintained. Yes. He continued. Yes. And he continued to walk in faith. And he's not deterred in the slightest. He goes home. He opens his windows. He could have shut his windows. He could have he been private, but he was never private about his prayer life before. So why hide now, I guess, is kind of the thought. Um, and essentially the people who wanted to have him killed are waiting, watching, because they knew exactly what he was going to do. So they have him arrested. They take him before the king. You know, the king kind of realizes the king is actually friends with Daniel. Like he, he mm-hmm. did not want to do this. He didn't want this to happen. Um, and he kind of realizes what's happened at that point. Uh, but yet, because he has made this law, he now has to carry through with it and it can't be changed. Um, so he has Daniel thrown into the lion's den. Right. Cause didn't the, the people who brought Daniel to him, didn't they like, weren't they like, Hey, Oh, you made this law. You can't go back on it now. Right. Kind of situation. Like they were really taunting him. Yeah. Well, essentially, um, when he made the law, they basically made him, um, uh, make it a law of the Medes and Persians, which basically meant that it was unchangeable. Like no one could change it at that point. It was kind of okay. like the highest law of the land at that point. And it was set in stone. So, um, you know, the king knows that he doesn't want to go back on it, but he, you know, he also doesn't want to kill Daniel, but at the same time, he, he can't, he can't go back on his word because this is the law that's been set in stone. So, um, Daniel's thrown into the lion's den and he, the, the king even tells him, uh, before he's basically, I hope your God saved you through this or something to that effect. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't put that verse in my notes, but we'll, we'll pick up the story, uh, just after. So in Daniel chapter six, verse 22, um, this is the next morning the king comes and he has the the uh, the stone removed from the lion's den and he's shouting in, Daniel, has your God saved you? And um, Daniel responds basically yes. And, he's, and this is what he says. He says, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. The king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no harm, no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And that's kind of where I was going with, we're going to see a theme through this because through all of this, we see Daniel, Daniel trusted God. I mean, he basically, it makes me, this, this makes me think of Dr. Charles Stanley, who 
is famous for saying, obey God and leave the consequences to him. And that's essentially what you see at Daniel and the lion's den. Um, he knows the consequences for his actions, yet he chooses to still pray to God and trust him. And God makes a way. And how many of us would actually have that much faith that we would let the consequences just like leave the consequences to God. Cause I know me and my control issues. I would be thinking about them. I'd be like, Oh, I need to be silent. I need to be, I could still pray, but right. it's going to have to be hidden. I want to be careful. I, you know, right. yeah. Well, in this, in this day and age, we, we so easily could go to, well, Jesus tells me to go in my prayer closet anyways, and prayer mm-hmm. should be quiet. And, uh, you know, in secret. Um, there are times for public prayer, but most of our prayer life is guided to, to being a private time between you and God. Um, so it would be easy for us to kind of worm our way out of it to justify it. Yeah. We could, we could easily justify it, (laughs) but like that wasn't the case for Daniel. He, he continued to do exactly what he had always done and pray exactly as he had always prayed. He would open his windows towards Jerusalem and he would uh, kneel and pray. So here's a, a little bit of a, a, a thought that hit me as I was reading this. This is, uh, e- there may be other towns. This is easily the second God making a way situation in the book of Daniel because this is the the fourth king. This is the fourth king that Daniel has served under. And the first king was Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is famous for having set up the statue and commanding people to worship it. Yeah. Which is where we know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Which was the story I was going to read for my second one, but I changed it up. Right. Last minute. Right. So we know they were thrown into the furnace. We know they were delivered out of the midst midst of the fiery furnace um, without any harm. Yeah, not even the smell of smoke on their clothing. Not even the smell of smoke. And the fire was so hot that it burned up the people who threw them in. Right. Okay, we're talking about some real heat here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I was thinking about this, and I'm like, I wonder how seeing that could have affected Daniel's faith Mm. to get to help him have the faith to believe that he could go into the lion's den and come back out. I mean, we don't have any scripture where he says, I don't, not that comes to my mind. We don't have anywhere that he says, I'm going to go in and I'm going to come back out alive. He's just basically obeying what he feels is right before God. And, um, you know, going into the situation, but I I really wonder if in the back of his mind was, you know, I saw God save my friends. I saw it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's very possible. I would probably be thinking that. And like, you're going over that story and I'm remembering, um, so I guess it's a time for me to share a testimony that I don't know that I've even shared with you. Um, that I just witnessed because I was a kid. Um, but we were leaving revival at, uh, it was Hensley Holler um, Church in uh, out Russell, Kentucky area. And um, 
we're driving back and we actually had my aunt and uncle's CD. So, you know, they, they sung Southern gospel. Um, my, my family had a Southern gospel band called children of praise and, um, most of them have passed away now, but, um, we had that CD. Well, it was a tape at the time <laughs> going on. The, the dating r- continues. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it was on the, uh, the car stereo and we're driving and my dad had actually been singing with them that night. And so we're driving back and the song that they had, um, that was playing was about, um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And it, it actually the in the chorus it says there's a fourth man we're walking in the midst of that burning fire. Mm-hmm. Well, we passed a house on fire, and my dad stopped because he could hear somebody screaming. Oh wow! And we literally just so my dad stopped, my aunt and uncle stopped, and so like there was four cars from my family just all stopped in front of this house. My dad gets out takes off his shoes and walks into that building and brings a kid back out. Oh my goodness. He literally carried this kid back out. And I'm telling you, he was not harmed at all. Like, wow. Like he had some, some singeing of fire, like heat on his Mm -hmm. shirt. His shirt was silk and it was kind of a little bit like singe, but Mm -hmm. my dad was not harmed. His lungs were not harmed. Like, he had no burns on him and the kid was perfectly safe. That is amazing. No, you yeah. have never told me that yeah. story. Wow. I got really yeah. goose, goosebumps <laughs> like, like on you're, that. You're, you're like, maybe Daniel's remembering <sighs> the time. And I'm like, it just popped back in my head. Like, I haven't thought of that in so many, 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 many years. And um, yeah, I think that it's easy to forget what God's done that Mm -hmm. we've witnessed. And by retelling those stories, we're basically saying, God, do this again, do this again over and over. Um, So I think it's good to share those stories, but I had completely forgotten about it until this conversation. So, wow. Yeah. So that was really, really like I was terrified. Right. I think I was like, maybe 12 or 13 I couldn't imagine at that age walking watching one of my parents walk into a burning house oh uh, yeah my mom's just standing there she's got me and my brother's hands and she's just praying and my aunts and uncles are getting we're all kind of gathered in a circle just praying over the situation and wow. my dad telling the story later he would he told us that it was almost like the flames just like opened up in a way that like he could see the path all the way to the kid's room. Wow. It was, it was literally like God made a way. God made a way yeah. in a big way in that yeah. moment. And that kid was the only child, the only person in the house. Everybody else had um, gone to the store or something. That kid was there by himself wow. and completely engulfed in, in flames. The house was completely like burnt to the ground. Wow. How, how old roughly do you know? How old was he? The kid? The kid, I mean, he was around my age, maybe a little younger. Probably, I would say around 10. I mean, so we're talking about, you know, someone who... He would be our age now. Well, and... Or around. Very realistically, um, would know enough about danger that should have, in theory, if there was a way out, 
could have found the way out. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just further testimony that God did make a way. He was yeah. trapped in there. And I mean, and it was the middle of the night. Like, it was, I say the middle of the night. It was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. There was nobody in home at home with his kid. They had gone to like the Kroger or something. Wow. Like, literally, like there was like a grandma and grandpa that lived there and had gone to the Kroger or whatever and left that kid home. The kid was asleep in the bed. I'm when suspicious the fire... about a grandma and grandma going to yeah. Kroger at midnight. But... Yeah, I, I don't quite, <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't gonna... know the full story. Yeah. I just remember what I. For I some witnessed. reason, the, the, the parents or guardians yeah. were not there. Right. Yeah, we, don't, we don't know the details. Right. That. Wow. So. That is awesome though. Yeah. That is awesome. Like in my mind as you're, you're, I mean, obviously I knew your dad. So in your, in, in my mind, I am picturing this and mm-hmm. I am picturing those, those flames just parting as he goes in the door and, you know, turns to the right down a hallway and the flames just part yeah and at the time i mean my dad had like the elvis sideburns and stuff so like you think of (laughs) i mean he dark complected very elvis looking man walking through in a silk shirt and dress pants coming home you know coming back from church kicking off his shoes and walking through the flames wow god had a plan that night there's no doubt about it god had a plan your family was right where they needed to be at exactly the right time yeah that is amazing yeah, I completely forgotten about that. So sorry to derail this no. whole conversation. No, we're talking but. about God making a way, and that and that is that is appropriate. That's that's yeah. that's better than any story that I was going to give. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we've talked about uh, four examples and a, and a real life example of God making a way and. I think we're probably ready at this point to move on into our our key verse for the day, um, which is going to be John chapter 14, verse 6. I'll go ahead and read it in context, and then you'll do the breakdown? Sure. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Yeah, I'm going to back up to to John 14, 1 um, and read through just through 7, I think, because this is just... uh, a fantastic section of scripture that it, you can never hear too much. So John 14, one, Jesus is speaking, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah. Um, So when Jesus says to Thomas, I am the way, and the truth and the life. No one comes from the Father or comes to the Father but through me. He's saying, I am the way. I am the only way that leads to the Father. I am the truth, the truth that teaches the knowledge of God and directs the way. Um, and he says, I am the life. I the life I am the life that animates all those who seek and serve the Father. 
So he is um, he is the life in grace and in glory, and he is the life that saves us from death. Is that's that's what I broke down that's from awesome. that verse. Hey, can you give me a breakdown on what no one, no one, no one, um, no one, no one, no one comes it, to the Father except through me. That means no one, like nobody. You mean it means exactly what it says? Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. The Bible means what it says? It's, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we've given, we, we had four um, basically earthly <laughs> examples of God making a way through various means, whether that was parting the water or deliverance or, um, you know, just, providing nourishment um we've had examples that you know would be earthly examples we see but jesus ultimately is providing a spiritual way because for all mankind sin separates us from god Mm -hmm. Um, isaiah 59 uh one and two i'm going to read those real quick behold the lord's hand is not shortened that he could not save, or his ear dull that he could not hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he and his ear so that he does not hear. Sin always causes separation from God. Yeah, because he can't be in the presence of it, of right. anything unholy. So mankind naturally has this problem with sin. In the Old Testament the essentially the judgment was delayed by animal sacrifice. Um, Hebrews uh, 10 verse four tells us for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So there's no absolving sin through animal sacrifice. Um, That's not a sacrifice that's, that's truly worthy of, God, it's not a sacrifice that's truly, it, the whole system was meant to teach us something. And ultimately it was meant to point towards Jesus for us to recognize that he is the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Romans 5, 8 and 5, 9, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So in this verse, we have just a little summary of basically what we're talking about and that sin's going to cause God's wrath to, to fall on us. And we are either in Christ or we're not. Essentially, this is what it boils down to. We go back to what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And further on in Romans, we have uh, Romans 6. 23, which tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm-hmm. God takes sin. That, that verse right there just like rolls back and confirms. Right. And you often find that in the Bible. The, Bi- the Bible confirms itself. It doesn't contradict itself. Um, it, it confirms itself. So you know, anytime somebody says something that contradicts Scripture, they probably didn't hear it from God. Almost certainly didn't hear it from God. Yeah. Um, but in the case in point, 
sin's a big deal to God. We often, we often kind of make a joke out of it, um, which is unfortunate because it, it takes away the seriousness of it. Um, but it is a big deal to God. In God's eyes, sin is punishable by death. That mm-hmm. seems harsh to us, but he's also given us a lot. He's given us a lot of tools. In the beginning, he walked directly with us. We talked about that uh, last last two weeks, actually. Um, he in the walked garden. with us in the garden. Um, and ultimately, we chose to disobey. We chose sin. And mankind still continues to choose sin over God. And it's a big deal. It's, it's not a small thing. Uh, but yeah. And like Jay mentioned in his sermon, um, his, one of his most recent sermons, um, he said that we don't know if Adam and Eve ever sinned again. We only have the one record. Um, but it doesn't matter because sin is still punishable by God. If you're not in abiding in him. Um, but I also wanted, like, there is this picture that I, I have saved on my phone, and it has, like, a chart, and it has uh, sins from man man's view of sin, and it has God's view of sin, and man's view is, like, it's, like, we rate or rank each sin differently, so it's like a bar chart, you know, like mm-hmm. a bar graph, and then God's view, they're all just squares. Right. They, they're all equal. Right. And I just, I keep that on my phone because I love that visual of to God, it doesn't matter how we rank them here, to Him, they're all equal. So that means murder is equal to gossip to God. And that's a pretty, to us, a pretty harsh comparison. You know, like I don't, like, yes, I've gossiped, but I've never murdered anybody. Right. But I've, hated in my heart so technically to him that constitutes murder so like they're they're all the same like it it doesn't matter like to him he just sees right. them equal well, sin and, is sin is sin ex- and in if you kind of really think about the example you just gave if you're gossiping somebody ex- about somebody especially if you're you're saying something that you don't even know if it's true or not mm-hmm. aren't you you're kind of essentially murdering that person's character before someone else's eyes. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, You're tearing down that other person before somebody Mm -hmm. else, whether that's to make yourself look better or or just you want to be the cool person that knows the thing. That knows all the things. Yeah, that knows all the things about all the people and what everybody else has done. You know, there's, there's no good that can come out of it. You know, God does see things differently than how we do because he is holy. And he sees the he sees the intent of the heart. He mm-hmm. sees the evil that's in our hearts when we do things. And every law in the Old Testament, that's essentially what it's about. Uh, the law is ultimately spiritual in nature, and it's meant to guide us back towards him and not necessarily be so much a list of right and wrong um, because we can we can follow rules and still be horribly wicked inside, which is exactly what Jesus shows us time and time again through his ministry um, in dealing with the religious elite of his day. So God's view of sin is that it is, it is bad. It's really bad. It's ultimately all sin is disobedience to him. 
and he gives us free will to make any choice we could make. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he wants us to choose him. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the ways that he showed that is we. I mean, we all know John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Uh, so Jesus is that way. Jesus is the ultimate way maker. He is the the personification of God making a way for sinful man, for those of us who have done what God considers detestable to still be in fellowship with him, to break, to be brought back in a right relationship with him. And Jesus says, says, I am the way he is the only way. I think it's important to also note that it's our choice if we follow or abide. And so, um, and it's a choice that we have to consciously make. Um, I use this example in women's group one night. Um, we choose to love those around us, our spouse, our children, the people we work with, whatever. We choose love daily because I could choose to not like anything that you're doing today. But if I choose love, I'm going to look at things through that lens a little better. Some days it's harder for me to do that because of not because of your actions, but because of like actions of other things happening around me. But if I try to love you, then I'm going to see the good that you're doing and the love that you're providing to me. And I think the same is true with God is we choose to love him and to follow him daily. And there are times that we decide we're not going to take up our cross and follow. And that's also our decision. It has nothing to do with any other outside influences or um, what so-and-so might have said or done. Um, It's still ultimately it's still our choice to follow or not. And he doesn't want us following if we don't want to, because then we're slaves. Right. He he could have he could have easily created a race that was essentially mindless robots that just go around saying yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. But he didn't want that. He never wanted that. He has always wanted us to have free will because true love doesn't exist without free will. You have to have the ability to choose otherwise for it to really be love. Right. It requires the the constant choice, just like you're saying. Yeah, it's a constant choice. Um, And it's one that we need to, in my opinion, it's one that we need to remind ourselves is a choice every day so we can can continue to to see things in the right perspective. Definitely. And that's what he's glorified in. He's glorified when we choose him. And I think we're we're probably to a point to to kind of wrap this up. So mm-hmm. um, let's let's leave you with this. End to end, the whole Bible declares to us God is the waymaker. He just is. And because of Jesus Jesus's work on the cross, we have twenty four seven access to the God of creation, to the one who makes a way when no one else could. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you continue to join us on this journey as we grow deeper in God's word. We hope this episode and future episodes will continue to bless you in Jesus' name. 
Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by the Pulse Church, with campuses located in Gasaway and Winfield, West Virginia. If you enjoyed today's episode, or know someone